podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everybody, welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I'm joined by Lubo Murkoff and Paul Jenkins. How are you guys doing? Good, I'm good. Uh, another uh, lazy weekend here in, uh, in uh, New Jersey. I watched a little bit of the, of the Chelsea Borough game and they went up 2-0 and I turned it off and I came to do the podcast. So it's all good. Awesome. <laughs> and good and evening, from, good evening from a, uh, a nice sunny uh, but windy Northern Ireland evening here. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, same as you, Lubo. Actually, I watched a bit of the, the Borough-Chelsea game and then I was like, ah, dear. <laughs> We're not going to get the result that we wanted. So let's just turn that off and come and do a, a nice positivity podcast and get myself set up for a nice weekend. That's right. So as we, uh, as we get started, uh, I want to note that we are recording live on Discord. Uh, if, you not, if you have not already joined the Anfield uh, Index Discord, please be sure to do so. Uh, it's a real fun part of the internet where we have some good conversations about Liverpool and other things. So uh, those of you who are listening live uh, can ask questions as we go. Just uh, be sure to tag me when you put the questions in, in the chat. Um, so our opening question comes from Old King Cole. And that is, what is your favorite goal for the season? Uh, Lubo, do you want to get us started? I, I will. And uh, actually, thank you, Matt, for sending that, that video with all of Liverpool's goals this, this, uh, this season. And there were some excellent ones. And I was thinking, I was trying to decide. And actually, the one that I, is probably my favorite for just what it meant, and I, I know it's probably a little bit of a strange choice, but actually it was the penalty that uh, Big Kev uh, uh, Kelleher scored against Chelsea in the final. Just I, I, emotionally, I was so invested in him scoring. Uh, and just my, my son was there watching, my wife was there watching. It was just so intense. And, and he scored such a great goal. And the fact that, that Kepa missed right after that, and, and that meant that <clears> that was the winning goal of a trophy. To me, uh, that incidentally, I think that's my goal of the season right now. Yeah, that, that was one that I had in mind as well. Uh, uh, Paul, what were your what was your goal of the season so far? So yeah, like keeping in that vein of League Cup uh, goals, which is kind of odd given that we've seen so many good goals in the league and in the Champions League this season. Um, I think it was like Nabakita early in the season with Crystal Palace, he scored a cracker. Um, Salah against City was great. I think you know there's there's any number of good goals, cracker goals, technically great goals. But for me, I think. So- so far, my favourite one was Taki Minamino um, against Leicester. That last minute equaliser. Uh, yeah. um, just the, the ball floated in. I think it was Milner floated the cross in. And just, you know, you thought the defender was getting his head on it. He didn't get his head on it. And then Taki's touch and finish was just like, 
wow, this, you know, it was a really, really great finish. And just for what that meant for the momentum of, of the season and kind of pushing us on to get towards that first trophy. Um, so for me, that just at the minute, it's kind of... It's, is is it the best goal that we've scored this season? No, probably not. But I just love it. It just sticks out in my head. It was kind of one of the ones where it was kind of going, yeah. Whenever, whenever, whenever we chat about this, when we looked at this question, I was like, actually, that's the one that sticks out in my head. And I know we've seen great technical ones, but I just thought I remember at that point in time going, wow, that's that's a really good goal because he's had to watch that the whole way. First touch is brilliant, gets it out of his feet and then just puts it in the bottom corner. So, yeah, no, <clears throat> for me, it's a tiny Minamino against Leicester, last-minute equaliser. Yeah, that, w- that was a really great goal. So after watching that uh, compilation video that I sent you guys and like seeing all of them, I have a couple of like honourable mentions. Uh, so we had first goals from Harvey Elliott and Cade Gordon, and I thought those were really great. Uh, yep. And then watching all of the goals is like every Divock Origi goal is just absolute fun. And he had some really, uh, really good ones. Uh, but for me, I think like the best goal, my favorite goal was Piago's um, screamer. Just the way the ball moves and it's just like up and down and like to the side and just yeah. how, how he kept that one like uh, on the line into the net. That one for me, I think is probably the, the best goal all season, and that was probably my favorite. Technically, that was insane. And I remember actually we had this discussion on Discord here about did the ball ever touch the ground, or was it just the trajectory of the way that Thiago hit through the ball that it went down and came back up again with never skimming off the off the surface? It was one of the laws of physics. And to this day, you'll watch the video and you're just not quite sure what happened there but you just look at it and go that was an insane goal oh yeah that was a great one it just like sort of skims the top of the grass and then like goes back up and then just sort of yeah. explodes into the back of the net so good yeah perfect perfect actually matt you mentioned that vivo Corrigi goals and i have to say that the one that came that i really debated for a while was that uh crazy uh, scorpion type kick i, I think yeah. it was against preston and, and the reason I loved it is because you, you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, that's Divock. You just almost with Divock, he, he's, 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 he's not a great goal scorer, but he's a scorer of great goals, if you will. Right. He, and, he doesn't and, score normal goals. He has to score <laughs> like all, all bangers yeah. all the time, right? And, and, and the, he's, so, he's so nonchalant in the way he scores them. <laughs> that's like, exactly it's just, right. It's just effortless. <laughs> But when I was watching it, I'm like, only Divo could score. And it's obviously not yeah. true because there's so many great players on the team that could score. But just, just sort of the, 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 the nonchalance, the, 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 I don't know, almost like the, the, his overall just languid personality, the way he plays. You're like, yeah, that's, that's the kind of goal that you expect uh, Divo to, to score out of nowhere. And I just love that. But I, I still went with the penalty just because... I don't think I've ever been as committed into a, a goal emotionally as I was with uh, with uh, Big Kev's goal in the final. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was some strike. That was his Gaelic roots coming in there. Like, knows how to hit a ball. Um, it was phenomenal. I think my favorite part about that one is the giant sigh or, like, breath of relief he has after he makes it. So, he, like, the, the, the ball goes in and he sort of just turns and goes, and, like, yeah. oh, I did it. Crazy. Uh, so okay, good. so 
let's move to our, our second topic of discussion. Um, we're going to look back at um, the results that have happened since our last podcast. So uh, in the four competitions, as we've already talked about, uh, Liverpool won the League Cup over Chelsea on penalties. Uh, in the Premier League, we've had wins over Leeds United, West Ham, Brighton, and Arsenal. Uh, we've also won a 3-1 over Norwich in the FA Cup, and then a 2-1 win on aggregate over Inter Milan in round, the round of 16 in the Champions League. Uh, so to start us off in this recap of these results, uh, is there anything about the League Cup win you would like to highlight other than Cleveland Kelleher's penalty? Uh, Paul, do you want to get us started? Um, well, I think just generally was the feel of the game was one where, um, you know, we, we, we had big spells of control in that game. And uh, while I think sometimes while in commentary, it felt as if, oh, no, Liverpool are under the caution this. We weren't really too bad um, overall. Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> did we create a lot of chances? Not necessarily. And we knew that was going to be the case against Chelsea, but it was just the 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 kind of endearing and overall feeling, overarching feeling that we were going to win. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but just whether it was going to happen in normal time, extra time or penalties, I just felt for me that game was just going to be a game that we were going to win regardless because the the, the it seems that the feeling around the club has been this season Right, we're we're going to make a real concerted effort for all these, uh, for all these cup competitions, for um, the Champions League, for the league. We're just going to go for as many trophies as we can. And so, um, I think in that game, it was really weird because I remember saying to someone, was it the day after, a couple of days after, but I was relaxed about it, even though you know at times the narrative maybe felt that Chelsea were on top for big spells, and of course. Lukaku scored the goal, it was offside and just different bits and pieces and so people made this, again, this uh, topic of discussion about a high line and, you know, Chelsea breaking the high line and getting through and then you're like, but no, they didn't because actually they were offside. Um, for me, it was just one of those games where we were nicely in control, if not at our scintillating best, which, you know, is an overarching uh, think theme for the last couple of games even you know, just generally we don't have to play incredibly well to get the results uh, and so that the League Cup win was just kind of one of those yeah it's really good and like for Big Quave like it's just brilliant to see someone come through uh, and and for the storyline of the goalkeeper scoring the win and penalty was just like yeah that's that's really really it's really exciting so no that's that's my thoughts on the League Cup final um, I don't know what you guys think. So for me, that was one of the rare games where I was a bit nervous during the game, but that mostly uh, came down to the fact that we had a penalty shootout. Uh, so once we got to the penalties, I was a bit nervous because it's, it always seems like it's a bit of a crapshoot, but then all 11 of Liverpool's guys took really, really good penalties. Oh, uh, phenomenal. Yeah, amazing. For me, it, it just felt like a huge final and Klopp talked about it and, and a lot of the, the podcasts that were here after the game and, and the podcast that, that Gags and Cam and Harender had after the, the game, it was just, it just felt like a huge final. And, and what Klopp said uh, recently is that it, in many ways it, to him, it was similar in terms of emotions and, and excitement and how he felt, how the players felt to a Champions League final. 
and yeah. and and it felt huge. I think par- partly it felt huge because again, it's been the first final in a while. Two is because I think it was Chelsea, and and we have this annoying rivalry with Chelsea. Chelsea, and it's it's been they've been tough to play this year, right? And 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 uh, and just three, it just the game was so good and so. I, I, I in many ways I had like Paul said I. I had this belief that Liverpool would win at the end, but it was such a topsy-turvy game. It was such a great game with so many chances and and offsides and and and, and VR decisions. And I had no mm-hmm. I had no idea how it finished nil nil. So <laughs> just th- th- with everything combined, it just w- it felt like a huge huge final. It, it almost felt like a bigger final than what you'd expect for a league cup. Um, yeah, and 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 uh, and so I'm I'm very happy that obviously that Liverpool uh, won it. I just didn't expect uh, d- during and after the final to just feel so exhausted and to feel wow, this was a huge final. This was it's almost like something that you'd expect. Maybe the FA Cup, maybe the Champions mm-hmm. League, that kind of a game. I wasn't prepared for 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 the League Cup final to to feel so big and so emotional. Yeah, I think that the fact that the opponent was Chelsea. And then sort of the events going on in the world also added to the drama of the game. And so uh, that just sort of added to the occasion and then just made it feel so much better when Liverpool won. Uh, and mm-hmm. like during the game, I thought that, you know, uh, the, the contributions from Cleveland Kelleher were, were amazing. Just the way that he kept making like big save after big save. And then he comes up big in the, the penalty shootout. So it really was uh, his final. At any time you see a team make a goalkeeper substitution with two minutes to go, you're going, dear lord, like what's what's the deal with this? You know, Kappa Kappa thinking that he was going to be, you know, Mister, you know, Mister Great Penalty Saver, all the rest of it. The, the, one of the outstanding moments for me was Virgil Van Dijk taking his penalty against um, against Kappa, and Kappa giving him about what two three meters of space to put the ball in. And Van Dyke's just like, yeah, whatever, big man, bang, smacked it in the top corner and looked at him, just stared him down as if to say, yeah, yeah, you think you're good, you're not even close to where you need to be. Yeah, that um, takes a lot of uh, bravado to do what Van Dyke did there. Yeah. Uh, So moving on to the other games in, in our latest run what has um what have you found most impressive lubo i i feel the con- the defensive control um and it it felt it felt coming even during um the, in january uh, w- with the league cup games against arsenal which you know arsenal were playing well at that time but even beyond that uh there was maybe that game against palace in january where it was a little bit up and down and even west ham they have a couple of nervy moments, but it just it just feels the the that the defense and and when I say defense, I don't mean just the back line. I mean that the overall the team, uh, all all the positions, all the players, it <clears throat> it's it just moved up to to another level. I think we've just moved up to a level defensively over the next I would say, you know, eight to ten games that we last saw in that eighteen nineteen season uh, when uh, when. Um, uh, you know, ultimately ended up winning 97 points and 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 got to the final in, in Madrid, and and I just looked. I mean, the last eight games, I think in the league, Liverpool have allowed two goals, 
Um, mm-hmm. And I uh, granted that there, there right. were a couple, a couple of goals were allowed in the cups. I think one to to Norwich and one to um, uh, Inter, but those are just those kind of a crazy screamers from outside the box. That yeah. So the the, the last three goals that Liverpool have conceded are all like five percent or lower chances, which is crazy, right? So yeah. So that the fact that we we've been able to limit the big chances, and this is something that has been a huge improvement. But uh, but also um, the, 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 the the almost it feels uh, right now the only way you could beat Allison is with this impossible shot from outside the box. That to me has been a huge huge um, a positive development and improvement um, because as Klopp likes to say that that gives you the the foundation to to everything else you're trying to achieve. Um, and it feels just the games feel more controlled. You know, we still score a lot of goals. We still create a lot of good chances, but it just feels now that that level of control that that uh, that the team had in 18, 19, 19, 20 before the pandemic, where they could just ratchet it up, they could create chances, they could score goals, and then they could just cruise and control the games. That feels back, and and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, the fact that. You know, Virgil and Joel are further removed from their injuries. The fact that the midfielders are now healthy. We have Thiago, we have Naby, we have a Fab, we have everybody available. There's more rhythm. Uh, th- again, there's a lot of reasons for that. But to me, that has been such a, such a great, um, really, improvement over the last couple of months that I, I think is going to hopefully mean that we can, we can continue to win games across all competitions and, and add more trophies. Absolutely. So, like you, I've I've been very impressed by the defense over the last two months or so. Uh, like you're mentioning, like Virgil Van Dijk after the the late January international break, that to me is when he started to look like the old Virgil Van Dijk, and like he's actually getting closer to fully recovered from that ACL tear, uh, and like just his movement, the way his body language is, everything looks like he's back to that guy. Uh, and then that has also coincided with a period where Allison has returned to that you know, best in the world form and just he's going to stop everything. Uh, so, Paul, what, what about you? What's, what's been most impressive to you? I think what's most impressive uh, is the ability to win games in different ways. So if you look at the Leeds result, there's 6-0. There's a, there's a relentlessness there of going and just keeping going, keeping going, keeping scoring and just... And just seeing the goals go in. But then you look at West Ham and it's a 1-0 win. And it's, as Lubo and you have said, it's that controlled nature of being able to control the game, get ourselves ahead and then just coast the game out. I think we looked at some of the games and some of the stats in those games where, yeah, after we scored, we probably didn't, we didn't create too many chances. But we also limited the opposition to very, very little. And so it's just that overall ability to win games in different fashion. Um, and Arsenal the other night was just one of those examples of patience and just been in full control. You know, I think Arteta said after the game that, that Arsenal were good up between, between the boxes, but but they couldn't score and they couldn't defend in the boxes. And that was the difference in Maybe he's right on that, but I also think that we were incredibly well controlled against Arsenal. Took our two chances, and was that the only two chances that we had? Really, with clear cut opportunities on goal, but we took our two chances and scored them. Whereas Arsenal didn't even get really through 
to make the chances, to make those opportunities. Um, and so for me, it's just that case, that story of we can win with the high-paced relentlessness of of Leeds. And I know Leeds are in a really bad place um, at that time. And, uh, you know, one of the last games under Bielsa and loss of injuries. But we put them to the sword, so to speak. But then in the next three games after that, and I remember the, I remember the discussions around the likes of of West Ham and Brighton especially, those are going to be tough games. West Ham are playing, they're in a good run of form. Brighton always gives us difficulty. Brighton always makes things things hard for us. But really, when you look back at those games, we controlled them. We had no real issues with them. We've conceded two goals in the last whatever amount of games it is. We're, you know, we're able to win these games in different fashions and, and see the game out. So that, for me, is kind of like one of our big you know, one of the most impressive things in how we're playing at the minute. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the what you're talking about there in, in the Arsenal game is a good example of a team that's competing for titles and a yes. team that wants to be competing for something. Uh, exactly. So Liverpool, uh, when they have their chances, they take them, they control the game otherwise, and just do what needs to be done to win. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Arsenal just don't do that. And they... Yeah. Don't appear to be close to doing that in in games that matter. Uh, they can, you know, they they seem to be able to win against bad teams at this point, but they just can't do much against teams that are that are better uh, right now. And so that that's like sort of the emblematic of the gap between the two teams. Uh, yeah, so, that's, what, that's what sets us apart, really. From from it's what sets us and City apart from all the rest of the teams that are in the chasing pack. Chelsea are probably the closest, but our ability to kind of see those see those games out. Okay, City's de- you know it's, it's death by ten thousand passes. We're a bit different in how we control things, but that's that's that is the big difference between us all. Yeah, absolutely. So um, shifting gears a little bit, uh, I wanted to ask you guys: um, Are there any narratives that have developed um, that you think inaccurately uh, depict reality? Um, so, Lubo, do you want to get us started on that one? So um, I actually thought about this and I was trying to remember, I was trying to look back and, and see if we still had the high line narrative and that seems to have died down a little bit. I think that ran its course and then it died out and I have not heard much about it. Now the narrative has shifted, especially after the, the uh, Inter game at, at Anfield and, and the Arsenal game is that, uh, that, that, that Liverpool somehow are dominated by these teams who are... Incidentally, not really creating any chances. They're not really creating shots. They're not doing much in the dangerous areas, but they're they're in they're they're just hanging out with with Liverpool, and that means that that they're they're dominating Liverpool, right? And it's one of those things where it, it, it's almost as if now the expectation from Liverpool has become that unless you're already up three nil at halftime against anyone, you you're really struggling. And uh, I think the game against uh, Arsenal, and, and I, I would say Arsenal did quite well to control us in, in, in the first half. And I think we did quite, quite a, a few good things to control Arsenal. The game at halftime was not, you know, there hadn't been that many chances, that many opportunities. But it just felt like a very controlled game where, you know, to, uh, just almost like you, you're a boxer, you're the champion, you have a contender. Yeah. first few rounds are just kind of a bunch of jabs as you're trying to find the weaknesses to land a couple of good punches. But the narratives then become, 
it almost feels like that unless Liverpool is ahead at halftime or winning convincingly 3-4-0, that they're really struggling, that they're really showing, uh, you know, just chinks in the armor and, 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 and they're open to teams, to other teams to take advantage of them. And I think that the two games, the, the, the inter-game partly because of the result and all the chances that Liverpool missed and then the Arsenal game because Arsenal, you know, didn't capitulate in the first half. There's this new narrative uh, about Liverpool, and I, I, I think it's pretty hilarious because I, I, it's, if you actually watch the game and then you analyze the chances and you look at it from a statistical point of view, you, you just see that it's, 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 it's very much what we discussed earlier. It's about control. It's about Liverpool waiting patiently to take chances, to create chances. Um, and, and fundamentally, they're just operating at such a high level right now. Yeah, and if you watch the game with the commentary on, it's like Liverpool are barely hanging on, but then Liverpool wins every game. And it's like those two things, they can't exist at the same time. It's not like they're barely winning every game. It's like they're comfortably controlling the games and then they win because they're better than their opponents. But um, it does not seem that the, uh, the media or the commentators like, seem to believe that at all. Uh, so, Paul, what... Uh, what, uh, what narratives have you, have you noticed? I'm not sure necessarily it's, a, it's an external narrative. It's possibly one within uh, you know, Liverpool fans around the, the, the Salah contract situation and you know, fans thinking that this is having some kind of impact on him on the pitch. And I just kind of find that a wee bit... I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me because I don't really think that's, that, that is something that plays on a professional footballer's mind to the point where they struggle on field. Once they, go, once they cross the white line, they're pretty happy just to go out and play football. And so I don't think that you know there is this, this idea that Sal is struggling on the pitch because he's trying to work out contract stuff off the pitch. For all we know, everything's done and dusted and there's just a whole pile of media guff that's going on at the minute. Um, to create a story outside of it, uh, and we, I think, was it was it the Inter game where he hit the post? Was it two times? And you're just yes. kind of going like, you know, he's so close to scoring. When people, when he doesn't score in a game, people start making this these these lines and these stories that oh, Salah, you know, Salah's sidetracked. But what's happening with his contract? You know, his agents off or his lawyers off posting these emojis on Twitter. That means Salah's all over the show and he's not focused. And you're kind of going, that's absolute rubbish because you know he's a professional footballer. Once he crosses the white line, and even before he crosses the white line, when he's on the training pitch and all the rest of it, he's putting in the effort. He's he's scoring the goals in training. You know, and he's providing, you know, he's providing a great input on the pitch. If anything, he's probably a little tired just from playing so much um, at the African Cup of Nations. But that's to be expected. And the beauty that we have now is five incredible forwards, plus then Taki and Origi as backup. We're not in any shortage that if, if Mo Salah needs to come off after 70 minutes, we're not in any shortage that we can bring someone else on, as we've seen the other night against Arsenal, and make a difference. So I think it's just kind of a wee... It just seems to be a wee weird narrative that's kind of coming into play, more so with Liverpool fans rather than everyone else. And I'm kind of going, don't even go there, folks, because the honesty, the reality of it is it's not impacting them. Yeah, and we've seen this multiple times throughout uh, Mo's Liverpool career will hit where he will have a stretch of three to five games where he won't score. And then all of a sudden the, the like scoring yeah. is back. Uh, and 
So like this is nothing out of the ordinary. It just so happens to like be coinciding with the uh, contract negotiations and then the agent trying to like stir stuff up on on Twitter. Uh, and so then that I think that does definitely feed into some doubts in people's minds about what's going on on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And like for me, the other the things that I've noticed is like uh, among opposition fans is like they all want to like find ways to pick at like, well, Liverpool's not actually that good. Liverpool's not actually that good. <laughs> and like none of that is true. Like all of Liverpool's players are awesome and they're really good. And they're better than every one of their players, so I think that there's just some jealousy. Totally. Did you see? Did you see? There's a was there an article in one of the papers that was trying to paint Man City as underdogs, nearly that you know per per Pep, uh, Liverpool now have a squad that has more depth than what Pep has, and you're kind of going. Right. Okay. This this is an interesting narrative. I'm not quite sure how we've reached that point. Yeah, I mean, so Liverpool do have more depth than City, but that's because City have made some certain choices with their their roster yes. and then how how Pep's decided to use that roster. But that does not in any way mean that City are underdogs. That's just exactly. nonsense. So uh, I think that's a good time for us to to start looking forward to to what comes next. Um, so uh, yesterday we had the Champions League draw. Uh, Liverpool will be playing Benfica in the quarterfinals, and should they beat Benfica, they will face Bayern or Real in the semifinals. Uh, in the Premier League, uh, Liverpool have Watford, and then the big away game to City, and then tomorrow in the FA Cup, Liverpool play Nottingham Forest. So, uh, first, I want to get your thoughts on the Champions League draw. So, Paul, what, what do you think? Honestly, I don't think we could have got much better. <laughs> and you know, it's it. You don't want to sound overly confident, you know, because to reach the last eight of the Champions League, you have to be a good team and you have to have beaten good teams to get there. So let's not, by any stretch of the the imagination, underestimate Benfica. But to avoid any of the English teams um, at this stage and even in the semi-finals, I think we couldn't have asked for any more. Uh, and I don't think Bayern are necessarily the giants that they were a couple of seasons ago. And and that season that that we we drew nil each with them and then beat them three nil. I think that that season Bayern were kind of like tipped as possible favourites. Um, and I think this season for us, if we can get past Benfica, then I don't see any reason why we aren't in the final. Uh, now I know it's positivity podcast. I'm going to be positive about that because that's just my viewpoint on life. But I honestly think this is a great chance for us to go all the way to final, and uh, I couldn't have asked for a better draw. Yeah, I think that we've seen that Liverpool has played very well uh, in Portugal uh, against Porto over the years, and so that makes me yep. feel pretty confident about the Benfica game. And I like the the draw against Bayern and Villarreal because there's some some nice callbacks to earlier uh, European runs in the Klopp era. Uh, so Villarreal, Liverpool played in the semifinals of the Europa League run in Klopp's first year. And then That's right. Bayern, Bayern was an opponent in the run, the quarterfinals in the run to the, the winning the, the Champions League in Madrid. So yeah. I, 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 like, I like those draws. So uh, Lubo, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'll just echo what you guys have said. I think coming into just the, the, the next round, uh, if... if I think if you had polled uh, any Liverpool fans, Benfica or Villarreal would have been the two teams that anyone would have wanted, right? 
and and regardless of which uh, models you look, five thirty eight or Infogol or or the bookies or whatever your model of choices, uh, you see that Benfica was is is I would say it's in terms of just a statistical analysis and just talent level they're the weakest of the eight. Now that anything can happen in in, in knockout competitions, I mean we saw knockout we saw Benfica knockout Ajax right, and Ajax were uh, dominant by the stats. So anything can happen, but I feel where Liverpool are right now, uh, Benfica is just it's just it's perfect. Um, and then uh, I agree with one of Bayern or Villarreal. I think they would both be. I mean, realistically, it's probably going to be Bayern. I think it would be a, a, a great, great semifinal uh, to have. And I'm just glad, as, as Paul said, I'm just glad we avoided the English teams. It's just I'm sick and tired of of playing English teams in the in the in the Champions League. It almost feels like Champions League is is a, is, a, is where you want to play teams from Europe, teams you don't yeah. normally play, and also just for the fans that are able to travel, the away fans. I mean, if you have the the chance to go to to Munich or to go to uh, uh, you know Lisbon, and and instead of that you have to go to like Manchester. I mean, come on, it just it just sucks as an away <laughs> fan. So and and unfortunately, I won't be able to travel for those. But but still, I think it's 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 great that we get to avoid uh, an English team at least until uh, until the final. And who knows, maybe maybe it will be. Uh, I was I was reading uh, 1981. Uh, was actually uh, Liverpool beat uh, Bayern Munich in the semifinals and beat Real Madrid in the final in Paris, right? So maybe, maybe who knows? Wow. Maybe it's going to be a repeat. Maybe it, <laughs> it will be. Uh, maybe it could happen this year again, right? Uh, but uh, wow. I, I don't. I don't think you could have asked for for a much better uh, draw and path potentially to the, to, to Paris in May uh, than what we got. Yeah, it sets things up nicely, and then. The Benfica game, I think, is on either side of the City game. And so having the, you know, lesser opponent uh, in the Champions mm-hmm. League does does make that a little bit easier for Liverpool versus, I think, City have uh, Atletico Madrid on either side of that game. Yeah. No, it works that, out from a, yeah, from a schedule perspective really nicely because first it, the first game is at Benfica. It's after the Watford game, and, and I think, it, if anything, it allows you to potentially go there. And even if you don't win it there, to at least come back to, to Anfield with uh, a draw. Uh, but I, I, I feel confident that Liverpool can go there and win. But then that's on Tuesday, and the Man City game is on Sunday. So there's plenty of time to, to rest, and hopefully Trent can be back for the Man City game. So from a scheduling perspective, I, it, it couldn't have really happened much better. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as we look at the, the title race, um, so do you guys have any fears about the City game? Paul, you want to go, go first? Easy game. Uh, I, 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 definitely think that, I definitely think that we can go there and get a result. That's, that's without a doubt. Um, I think I think City will be as uh, fearful of us as we possibly could be of them. Uh, and having played Atletico, you know, days before and with Atletico the match after, there's definitely going to be something in their heads about that's going to be a tough week, you know. Um, and so I think for us, you know, looking forward to that, there's no reason to necessarily doubt that the boys can't go to Etihad and get a result. I know it's not been the best ground for us in the last number of seasons, but um, I, like I, I'm 
I'm completely convinced that we can go there, get a win, um, and push on and win the title. Yeah, so the the like recent history is Liverpool's last win at the Etihad was in April of 2018 in the Champions League. Uh, and since then, it's been losses or draws. I think that last season was uh, a 1-1 draw at, towards the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. So that was after Van Dyke got injured, but before Gomez and Matip got injured. Uh, the year, the, the title season was... Uh, after Liverpool at all. I think that was the first game after Liverpool clinched. So then, you know, the guys were still hungover. Uh, And then the year before in the season we got second was the the time we lost 2-1. And so uh, it's been a while since Liverpool won at at City. So uh, I definitely think they're due. Um, For me, this is like the one game that I will actually be nervous during the game just because City's the only team that is close to Liverpool's level. Uh, and so I, I think that it's, there's no doubts that, they, that Liverpool can win. It's just, you know, they have to go and do it. Uh, so, Lubo, uh, what are your thoughts on the City game? I, I think that, uh, incidentally, I think that the, how the, the City game could go may depend on what happens the, 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 the weekend before. Because we're we're playing Watford first at home, and I'm hopeful that we could yeah. we could uh, beat Watford. And obviously, it's Roy Hodgson coming back and wanting to throw a, a spoke, uh, you know, throw a, a wrench in the, in, the, in, a, in our spokes, right in the, in, the, in the wheel. But but I I I think we're gonna win. I think Liverpool should should beat uh, Watford comfortably, which then would mean they could move first uh, ahead of of Man City, yep. and then Man City go to Burnley. And normally Burnley are pretty you know, terrible at home, and Man City has historically <laughs> won fairly uh, comfortably there. In fact, most big teams have won it at Burnley. But given where Burnley is right now and how desperate they are for points, if per chance with tons of luck and, and maybe Veghorst can score a, a worldie of, of some sort, if, if somehow City drop points uh, at, at Burnley, we could be going into into the game at the Etihad where Liverpool could be a point ahead, or if I, if I have my math right, and so that could then determine to a great extent how uh, Klopp approaches it, how Pep approaches it. It could then end up being a very very nervy one one uh, or two two the way so- sometimes these games go. But uh, I I just I, I think you have I have to remain positive. We have to think that. With the way we're playing right now, the way we're able to control games, even even against uh, a city, the game at at uh, at Anfield, the first half city were uh, they they had the the initiative, but then at the end we were just super unlucky to 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 just finish two two because they scored that deflected goal by De Bruyne, and then at the very end somehow Rodri was able to block what was uh, just a ridiculous mm. opportunity, ridiculous shot by. By Fab and by all, honestly, if we're if we're honest and if we're fair, Liverpool should have won that game um, at at Anfield. So I'm just hoping we get the luck this time around, the luck that Man City got at Anfield, that we get some of that luck and and we're able to win. But even a draw, honestly, even a draw there, especially depending on how the results before that go, may not be the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, like getting a draw would not end the title race. Um, no. It would make things more difficult because then everything would be in City's hands. And so 
uh, definitely getting the win would be like far more advantageous. Uh, I think that, you know, we've seen City struggle to play from behind. Uh, so getting the first goal will be very important. And I think that, you know, that is also what you're talking about. If the win Liverpool beat Watford, they will go ahead of City and then the City players will know they're from, like fighting from behind. And like that could even play on their minds somewhat, at least, you know, back of their mind during the game against Burnley. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think that, you know, it is definitely, definitely there for Liverpool to win uh, against City. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's also take a, take a quick uh, look at the, the FA Cup game. Uh, do either of you watch the champion anything about Nottingham Forest? I've watched them. Did I watch them last? Last week, <laughs> no. but uh, I think they're doing well under, is it Steve Cooper, um, who was previously with us uh, as one of our coaches. So I think they're definitely, they've definitely come on a lot um, since he took over. Uh, the, the Same as any team, they'll play well, but we should have plenty to, to, to dispatch them. Mm-hmm. So what are you guys thinking in terms of uh, how Liverpool will line up? Uh, Lubo? I think Klopp will go strong. One is that he has everyone available. It's it's the last game was on Wednesday, uh, and then there's international break. And even from an international break perspective, there there aren't that many big international games. I think Mo and Sadio have the big ones. Uh, the rest, I think maybe Scotland Robo. and yeah, Robo yeah. has a big one, right? Uh, but beyond that, I think the rest of them is just, you know, Virgil and, and, and some of the other guys, the, 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 you know, Hendo and some of the other ones. I think even Brazil, they're technically still playing World Cup qualifiers, but they have already uh, qualified. They have clinched first place in, in the group in, in, uh, in South America. So even then, uh, if, 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 if some, uh, some of our players need to be rested or subbed off early, uh, it, it, it's, I think it'll be doable. So I do think Klopp is going to go very strong. One, because he, he can. And I think second, it, he just really wants to take this competition seriously. The fact that he said, uh, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, uh, Allison's uh, competition. Yeah. Allison is going to start. Um, and I th- it, it, the fact that the last game was on Wednesday, so there's, there was time. We're definitely going to see a much stronger team, in my opinion, than we saw against uh, uh, Norwich City in the last round. Obviously, some of that will depend on availability. Obviously, Trent is out. Most likely, Mo may sit it out because uh, Klopp mentioned his foot. He felt his foot again. It's a question of who is going to start at centre-back. If, if Maybe Joe is needed for right-back. But regardless, I expect a very, very strong team. And I, I expect um, uh, just the, the players to be very committed to go there and do a professional job. And, and just advance to the next round. So, Lubo, did you say that uh, Allison was going to start instead of Kelleher? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, that's, interesting. Yeah, that's what I, Klopp said. I, I missed that. I, I was definitely expecting uh, Kelleher to be the, the one in goal. But yeah, uh, similar to you, I'm expecting a, a very strong lineup. Um, I will be interested to see if it's if Minamino or Origi or both get, get a start. Um, 
they've been so good in the cup competitions this season that it, it would make sense to start them. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you if we saw, like, Jota, Firmino, and uh, Luis Diaz. Or, or one of... I, I, I could see one of Taki or Divi starting. So, uh, again, mm-hmm. I, my, my attack was just... Oh, yes, right now is uh, Diogo, uh, Bobby, and, and Taki. And also, I think it would be just unfair to... Almost unfair to Taki to just bench him because he's been so good in, in the Cups. He scored both goals against uh, Norwich City in the, in the previous round. He just seems to just have that ability to... Every shot that he takes goes in. It feels like it, except for well, that, that one. Is shot. that not the is that not the stat in the in the in the league cup? Every shot he took, he scored. I think every shot on target he scored because he did he did uh, sky that shot against uh, Arsenal in in the in the semifinal at home. Remember in the ninetieth minute oh, uh, yeah. when when he's uh, when he hit it over the over the uh, the, the bar, but. I believe that is still the, 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 the stat that every shot that he has put on target in the, in the Cups has gone in. So that is uh, quite, quite the stat. And especially if you have questions about uh, Mo, you want to keep him out. And maybe Luis, who has played a lot of games already, you just have him as an option on the bench with, uh, with Divi and, and Sadio. So, uh, but the good thing is there are five subs in, 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 yeah. in, the, in the FA Cup. So... Klopp will have options to change and 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 give give. I would I fully expect him to make all five subs, maybe two or three at sixty, and then seventy five, and then eighty five, something like that. Especially if we're leading comfortably and just wanting to control the game. Hockey yeah. stats are twenty one shots, seven goals, and seven goals from seven shots on targets in the in the cups. Incredible, that's great. Yeah. I think we'll also see. I think we'll also see Navi. And probably start tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I'd assume that maybe Curtis Jones. Absolutely, I, I agree. And then I think it opens up quite nicely. Obviously, it'll depend on the draw. We'll actually know the draw. I, I thought it was after the game, but actually the draw is going to be right before our game. So going into the game, we would already know who is going to be the at uh, the semifinal. And and I'm hoping that uh, somehow. Chelsea and Man City if both advance mm-hmm. somehow they get paired in the semi-final and we get the winner of uh, Crystal Palace and 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 Everton uh, and just that way you just keep avoiding Man City and Chelsea as much as possible I mean be we, we, they'd be lovely because it's just been uh, we've had the luck with with these draws why not and just uh, you know we'll see obviously what happens with Palace and Everton the way I know Everton had this huge win at home against um, Against Newcastle, <laughs> but I think they're I think they're going to struggle at, at at Palace. Palace have been just very very good. They're playing very well. I wouldn't be surprised to just see Palace run out a comfortable uh, winner tomorrow. And so I I think if if, if the semi final ends up being uh, Liverpool against Palace and Man City against Chelsea, I mean you just you, you just can't script it any any better. I just hope I don't jinx it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not worry. <laughs> I think that's uh, probably about a good time for us to, to come to a close. So, um, Paul, can you give us your final thoughts and any plugs you want to make? Yeah, final thoughts are uh, let's just keep positive and keep believing that the quadruple is on and that we're going to go uh, and do this thing um, and uh, keep believing. The usual plugs, you know, 
if you're not a subscriber to Anfield Index, then make sure that you uh, pay your money for it because it's well worth getting. Um, and the, the, the next podcasts that are coming up are always worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Lubo? Um, I'll, you plugged it already earlier, but I would also just encourage uh, people to try Discord, anfieldindex.com slash Discord. And just join. I think it's 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 a fun community. I I I I don't remember uh, Discord being as as positive as it is right now in in quite <laughs> some time. Uh, so it's all good, except for maybe once in a while the the, the game the game chat goes uh, goes in flames. But but it's it's a really good community, uh, really good people, and and you'd have the opportunity to listen to these podcasts live and and ask questions uh, if you'd like for for uh, if you are a subscriber. And beyond that, I, I, I also just think that, that, that this break comes at the perfect time, not just, not just for Liverpool, but honestly for fans. I, in, in, it, it feels that the games have been relentless. Every, every three, three days there has been a game. Every game has been huge. And I just hope that after tomorrow we, we advance uh, in the FA Cup and then just have two weeks just to unwind a little bit and, and, and yeah. just recharge. Because after that, it's going to be, I think, 16 games in, uh, in April and, and May in, across all com- competitions, 16 possible games. And every single one of them is going to be huge. And I hope that Liverpool play every single one of them because if they do, that means they would make it to <laughs> at least the two finals and possibly be up there at the end of May uh, for the title. So uh, let's just um, remain optimistic and, and continue to, to support, uh, support the team. And... Um, and as Trev Downey likes to say, just be kind to your fellow Reds. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good, good place to, to come to a close. Uh, so be positive, And until next time, up the Reds. Up the positivity Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.